On this episode of Sega Talk, we talk the origins of the Sega logo and the Sega name. What are service games? What are standard games? And why is that logo blue? All this and more on Sega Talk. SegaBits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Look, it's a giant talking egg. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the master here. So what's up? Hello and welcome to episode number 80 of Sega Talk. I'm Barry. With me is George. Hello, everyone. <laughs> On this interesting episode we're not talking about a game we're not talking about a person we're not talking about an event we are talking about the sega logo itself which you'd think you know like oh you guys will probably fill like 15 minutes and then be done but no we're going the extra mile we're going to be talking about lots of stuff that maybe you don't know about maybe you do um but there will be a test at the end so pay attention before we start, though, I just want to mention that if you support us on Patreon, you get to have this show four to five days early. You also, at certain tiers, get to tell us what to do, um, what you want covered. We're going to be having more uh, announcements in the near future because we do have Swing and Report show live. So we're going to be integrating that. But right now I'm kind of taking a little pause on it because... Episode 100 is coming up, and mm. I want to have it be big. Like, no offense to anyone, anyone on the internet, but I don't want to be like, hey, it's uh, a, a guy who also makes YouTube videos as our special 100th episode guest. Yeah. You know, like, eh. um, but yeah, so this, this is going to be an interesting one. Sega has a very memorable blocky blue logo that has been around since 1976. But did you know... That there is a whole 40 plus years of history before the iconic logo that we know and love hit the scene. So we're going to discuss not only the logo, but how we got there. So kicking things off, I really want to talk about the origins of the Sega name. Because you can't talk about the logo in those four letters unless you know the background of it. And so I have, George, this image of like a timeline and this oh, yeah. is pulled from the Sega Retro Wiki. It's actually very helpful. It doesn't appear on every page, but it appears on certain pages. And when I saw this, I was like, oh, everything makes sense. So I figured put it up front. You guys can check it out. Um, if you are listening to us, it basically shows uh, from 1945 to 1984. And there are three columns. The top one shows Service Games, which I believe is the parent company. Below it, it shows... Um, service games Hawaii, Nevada, and Japan, which are kind of like the different subsidiaries or the different companies beneath it. And then from uh, 60 to around 64, there's two companies, which we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit. And then from there on, it's Sega Enterprises uh, Limited, which we'll, we'll not be t discussing this, so I'll just say right now, Gulf and Western at one point um, actually acquired Sega. And that's really weird because they like are known for TVs. I think if, if anything, you might see a golf and Western TV at like your great grandma's house. I legit um, never heard of them. Yeah. They just, I, I think they, 
primarily made appliances and they also owned a movie studio, I believe. I, I don't remember who it was, but it might have been Columbia Pictures. Oh, okay. They went um, out of business. That's, that's not this episode. So, um, yeah. but, but interestingly, underneath Golf and Western, there is, of course, Sega Enterprises, you know, that we all know and love. But there's the Limited, there's the Incorporated, and then there's something called Sega and Gremlin. What's that? Well, we actually, we will touch on that too. So it, it just shows that Sega has always been changing and evolving. Um, Sega Sammy, which we is now the parent company, mm-hmm. is relatively newish. You know, like that's the modern era. But, you know, you talk to some old school guys in the community and I'm sure they're like, oh, I remember golf and Western very well. You I know? mean, like you think there's like really that many grandpas <laughs> out there going like, Sega's cool, but golf and Western days were the best. I bet there are people out there that, at the very least, really loved the, like, Zaxxon, Congo Bongo arcade era. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I forgot that they had a Zaxxon. That was a big game. Huge game. And we actually will will mention that. It does get a little mention here. But kicking things off, then, we have Surface Games. And this is a really weird image that I'm putting up on the screen. But it's basically, it's a notice of co-partnership. And I'll just read it here real quick. It says, Notice is hereby given that on the first day of September 1946, the undersigned entered into a co-partnership doing business under the name and style of Service Games, maintaining and carrying on a repair rental and sales of coin-operated equipment business at 703 Moana Hotel. Hey, like the like the <laughs> Disney movie, Moana. Uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. They were operating out of a hotel. Wow. Uh, Witness our hands. I love this part. Witness our hands this first day of September 1946. Martin Bromberg, Brombeg, I think it's a misspelling. It's supposed to be Bromberg. Irving Brombeg and James L. Humpert. And um, that's, that's important because despite Sega celebrating 60 years in 2020, you know, as you can see here, Sega's origins can actually be traced all the way back to September 4th, 1st, 1946, with the establishment of Service Games in Hawaii. And that would actually make Sega 75 years old um, as we record this, which is kind of mind-blowing. Right. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that, like, um, Sega, just thinking of Sega when they created the Sega name is more of... Like, when you go to a company, like, do you call the Origins before they got the real name? Like, Namco, I'm pretty sure they when they were called... What, remember, we, we did that whole, like, they had the two owners' names? Mm. I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they, they consider that their history, right? But this one, it's a little more iffy, right? They kind of miss around with the timeline a little more. Yeah, and you're going to be seeing that the timeline definitely shifts. There's different dates you could point to as, like, the debut of Sega. Um you know, the the those guys I mentioned. So there's Irving Bromberg, his son Martin Jerome Bromberg, who later changed his name, I believe, to uh, Marty Bromley or Martin Bromley. Hmm. Uh, formed a partnership with this guy named James L. Humpert to manufacture and distribute slot machines and other coin-operated devices, primarily to U.S. personnel stationed across Asia following World War II. And so, of course. Because of this, the service in Service Games actually stands for the U.S. Military Service. So um, what are your thoughts on Sega's origins actually being U.S.-based and uh, serving the military? 
as opposed to really the Japanese company it's seen now. I think this is always something that a lot of like Sega fans talk about, right? When they're like, Sega makes Japanese games and they always have that one guy. Well, actually, they made military uh, operated uh, coin-op machines. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. But I mean, how many companies do you think were built around the World War Two and the, the fallout of World War Two and the whole like trading with Japan and opening up borders? Because I feel like that's just mm-hmm. seems to be like a big boom everywhere. Like not just Sega, a bunch of other companies, even Asian companies to America really hit it more big when they uh, opened up, you know? Right. And I'm sure a ton of companies can point to that. I think though, right here, we're kind of seeing a, a, a very, very early point in Sega's history where if you're working at Sega of America in maybe the 90s or even 2000s, there is a source of pride there where you're like, we are not just a subsidiary of a Japanese or we're, we're not just like the U.S. office of a Japanese company, but we were kind of the originators of this whole thing because uh, they they had business in L.A., like the, these these guys. So, I mean, I, I totally get when SAG of America employees feel a little pride and feel like they should be doing more because it is technically it, it is an American company. You yeah. Know, and now, it's very and not only early that, beginnings. I was going to say, like, they also do the same exact thing. Like, when they took over in Japan, it wasn't like they stopped doing arcade machines or anything like that. They continued mm-hmm. that and they went on to video game arcade machines and then consoles. But, like, it was still the same idea, you know. That right. Made- and, and consoles are a blip in Sega's history. Like, if you look at from 1932, really all the way to now consoles took up what 20 years 84 94 94 less than 20 years yeah. right like eight, 1983 to 2001 that's nothing and we've already surpassed the duration of time that Sega has been a console maker in this new third party era so i i fully expect that in 20 30 years people are going to look back on Sega and the console thing is going to be a blip I know people are going to get offended at me saying that, but like, honestly, it's just because it's such recent history. I mean, even now we're now like in an era where people are just like getting really jazzed about Yakuza, Monkey Ball, and there and there seems to be less and less people going. I just think Sega should make consoles still. Like, um, yeah, I I laughed at a dude on Facebook. I didn't reply to him or anything, but he was a dude on Facebook saying like, I have no interest in Sega's modern games. I'm like, so. You are basically living in 2001. Pretty much. (laughs) And it's crazy. that's so long ago. It's so long ago now. And, you know, even us that we, you know, we've been covering Sega for so long. We used to see that, like, all the time. Remember that? Like, when it was, like, Yakuza would come out. Like, Yakuza 2 or 3. They're like, oh, Mm -hmm. Shimmy looks better. I don't know why they're doing this crap. Now that's all, like, died (laughs) out. Uh, It just really feels like it's just been a new wave for them in popularity online, which is great. Yeah, I agree with you, though. That kind of yeah. talk is dying out uh, the longer and, it goes. Yeah, and you notice that with other franchises, like TV, movie franchises. But I think as a company, Sega is now really experiencing not only a renaissance in third party, but also a shift where it's predominantly people just enjoying their games and not being hung up on this past console thing. Um, so getting back to the history, even going further back than service games... Uh, Irving Bromberg, I love that name, he was actually an innovator in coin-op machines and founded a company called Bromberg Company in 
1933, and he also founded a company called Standard Games in Los Angeles, California in 1934 for the civilian market. So when World War II began, um, the Bromberg son, who changed his last name eventually to Bromley, which always makes the history of this confusing, um, he met Humpert at the U.S. Navy shipyard in Pearl Harbor following the start of the war. So I don't think they were there when Pearl Harbor was attacked. And a friendship and then the aforementioned service games partnership was formed. Uh, 1951 actually saw U.S. banning slot machines on military bases within U.S. territories, which forced service games to look into other avenues to sell products. And in 1952, um, they sent two salesmen named Richard Stewart, who um, and then a mechanic named Raymond Lemel, um to Japan to promote and expand sales of service games on U.S. military reservations because that whole ban wasn't affecting them. And the result, of course, was service games. Um, Japan saw a network of factories springing up, and soon service games Japan was selling um, to Europe as well as parts of Asia, and it fast became really a major player in the slot machine market. And so that kind of brings us to the Sega 60th anniversary that they've been celebrating because in May 1960, and this is a, I mean, I think this is a very valid date to point to for Sega Japan specifically. Um, Service Games was liquidated, which sounds like a negative, but it was actually just, you know, it, it's just something they had to go through. I think most recently we saw something like that with, um, uh, Warner Brothers, HBO, you know, there was that whole shift with like mm. AT&T and, it, and they were like, we're divesting ourselves and all these crazy things were happening. Um, but end of the day, it, it, there were two entities. It was called Nihon Goraku Busan, which handled the distribution. And they had this thing called a trade name, um, which is basically a name to conduct business under that's simpler than your legal business name, which is why when we talk about Sega, we talk about Sega, not like Sega Sammy Holdings Incorporated or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but it gets a little confusing because, as I mentioned, uh, that Busan, they called themselves Udomatic Incorporated, which I think is maybe like a Japanese equivalent of automatic, but it's like Utamatic. Um, and then the other one is called Nihon Kikai Saizo who handled manufacturing, and believe it or not, their trade name was Sega Incorporated. Um, and I actually think the Busan, which is under Utomatic, is what Sega eventually became, which is kind of confusing because the other entity was called Sega. But to be quite honest, they were they were connected. They were both under the same ownership. I think just on paper, it was these two entities, one for manufacturing and one for distribution. Um, But taking a pause here on the history then, so uh, right there we have that first mention of the Sega Sega name. So what are your thoughts really on Sega's origins um, and how far we've really come uh, from slot machines in the 1940s? It's funny because like uh, outlawing this kind of gave them Sega like, okay, we can't be complacent here and made them grow. Because mm-hmm. so if it wasn't for the military banning this, we probably maybe never had a Sega company that we know today. Also, mm-hmm. the service service games in 1960 is a good time to actually kind of like point to this and say 
this is when Sega was born. Because if you think about it, like before this, it was kind of like, I don't know, it's weird because the name Service Games comes in 1960 as an official name, right? So mm-hmm. that would be when Sega was Sega brand wise, you know, brandy right. wise. So I, I you know, I, I think 60 is fine, but. I don't know. Would you like to celebrate? Like, would you be okay with Sega saying that the company, as it was founded, like the because, like, if you say sixty, that means the fifteen years before that didn't really mean anything. Like, I've never right. heard any it's... of these people being talked to about it's and Sega. You know, like, I would love. To, I mean, right? These people are probably dead. That's the sad part. All these people, <laughs> but it would have been. I mean, it would have been sick to like at least have a history page where their pictures are there and Sega as a company, you know, says right. these people were the founders of the company. I I think it's just a source of Japanese I don't know, I don't want to be like stubbornness or or them being like um selfish, but it's just them saying this is how we Sega as a company started in 1960. Um though it does kind of surprise me because I feel like a lot of companies they want to have that history there to say you're 75 at least here in America means a lot more than to say you're like a 15 year old company, you know, like time means a lot. Like I, I eat like an oatmeal and the box will be like since 1743. And I'm like, Holy crap, (laughs) this must be good oatmeal, you know, but you never see oatmeal going since 2019 oatmeal has been made by our daddies (laughs) and you know, and that's it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Sega of America or, or anyone really could claim the 75. In fact, well, I won't ruin it, but we will get to a point where Sega of America, I think, or, or Japan kind of goofed at their own anniversary. Um, but, yeah, it, it was surprising when Go Sega and that whole Sega 60th thing started because 1960 was not something we Sega fans ever really thought about. It wasn't thrown around until they actually celebrated the anniversary last year and that was fun it was a lot of fun it's just i don't know why not 75 so like um okay so like okay i have a question for you before we move on because i don't know we're talking about nintendo but nintendo's been a company for 130 plus years right and they used to make cards right and they used to be under a different name right but they count that as Mm -hmm. their history so it's just kind of weird to me like sega is more it's always been coin-operated machines the whole time. You know what I mean? Right. So that's crazy to me. Right. Do you think that like Nintendo should count the years they were making uh, cards under a different name? I mean, they're free to. I think it makes sense to. A lot of companies do that. That's why I'm kind of surprised that... And this wasn't just a Japan thing because there was a Go Sega um, American logo, which was the... Again, we'll get to it. The American blue... And it was on the Sonic the Hedgehog toys and other things. So it, it's not like it was just a Japan-only thing. But I, I guess they just really looked to that 1960s um, event. And just to, to go into that a little more, I in my research, I was getting a little confused. Because like I said, it split into two company, two like entities. But they were both this, under the same company, I guess. Um, so this Nihon Goraku Busan named Udomatic Inc., they actually became a major player in the jukebox scene. So remember, we were talking about slot machines. Now it's jukeboxes uh, to the point where they were manufacturing their own machines. And this is where they decided to start slapping the Sega brand name on their machines. And 
1960 wasn't the first time um, Sega appeared on machines. I think maybe a few years earlier, but still the Sega 1000 jukebox, which you can see here, um, is a big source of pride to them. And um, it, it's cool, you know? I mean, it sits in the lobby, I believe, at the Sega of Japan headquarters. So they definitely love this thing. I'm sure they were all over the place at the time. So for people that are like listening to it, the machine kind of looks yeah. like a, like as red, kind of like a, it looks yeah. like it's made out of wood. And it's like sitting on top of those like things that old people <laughs> use to walk around. It does look like a walker. Yeah, like yeah. a walker, like you sit on top of a <laughs> walker. Uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, it's a white Sega logo, not like the one we know. And it says Sega mm-hmm. 1000. Uh, what does it say right there in the red? I think it says something like stars. Yeah, I think so too. Something and like the second one thousand and like stars. the hits on top right there. Look at that Nirvana. Is that Nir- no? I'm joking around. No. <laughs> it's that old, but it's it's cool. It's a cool little machine. I think though that the I and I could be wrong, um, but there is something called the Mini Sega. Yeah, let me see. Like what a miniature year of that it. Was from. Yeah, that so Mini Sega was actually a slot machine manufactured um, by Sega during the late 50s and early 60s. And so I, I think as early as 1958, they were putting out a machine with Sega on it. But, you know, the, the jukebox, I think, is a really fun showcase, probably a lot more fun than a little slot machine. Um, and... Basically, that's that's the story of Sega's origins as a name. Um, and I do want to do a future show where we kind of cover a, a broad history of Sega, touch on this, and then move forward to that Gulf Western era and all that wild stuff. But I, I did want to point out, you know, David Rosen, he is a name that a lot of, uh, I think, more hardcore Sega fans know. Um, it's thrown around a lot when Sega history is brought up. He... I think is still alive. I yeah, I'm not sure. I I know he was as of a few years ago, um, and so his story very briefly here um, is in 1954. He was a former Korean War vet, uh, American businessman working in Japan, and he established a company called Rosen Enterprises Inc. And he saw great success in importing photo booths from America to Japan. And eventually manufactured his own electrical electromechanical arcade machines with assistance from Nihon Garaku Busan. And eventually these two companies merged with Bromley bringing the Sega and Rosen bringing the Enterprises Inc. to form Sega Enterprises Inc. in 1965. So, you know, it's even more confusing now. So... 1933, 1934, 1950, 1965. So pick one, you know, like, what do you, I guess we, I don't know. Brand wise, 60, I mean, the name Sega, like service games, if that's what it means, 60 is a good start. 65 officially the Sega Sega logo. So I guess you could always make a, a name when the name Sega first was stamped on an actual product. But then didn't you say yeah. they were before the jukebox already had one too? Right. So, I mean, 1958, the name was being put on machines. 1960, that that um, company with Sega as their little trade name appeared. And then 1965, officially Sega Enterprises, which we still saw up to, gosh, I want to say like the 2000s mm-hmm. on like machines and stuff. So, 
you know, it's it's hard to say. But there is one year that is completely wrong. <laughs> and Sega actually used it not too long ago. Um, if you bring up Sega Heritage, mm. this is a failed line of re-releases that was following the Dreamcast collection, if you remember that. They oh, yeah. they like they released some really awesome ports of Space Channel Five Part Two, which was Dreamcast, Jet Set Radio Dreamcast, and then Nights into Dreams, which was Saturn. So clearly, it can't be a Dreamcast collection anymore. So they called it Sega Heritage. Sounds cool, but on the logo they put established 1951. And <laughs> where did they get that what, from? What? I don't know. And so I I did my own research. There's also a Sonic Retro article. That is really angry about this. Um, <laughs> Sonic Retro, let me tell you guys, like, they're so funny because they have people that have been writing or not writing, but working on that site for years. But when something comes up that really angers them or like excites them, someone it's like uh, will come out of the woodwork and like post a big article. And you're like, who the hell's that person? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and this was one of them. I'm like, wow, someone really cares about this. But I, I presume this is the person that's been writing a lot of the Sega history wiki pages because so basically, you know, we talked about that 1960 date, but some years back, Sega attempted, like I said, to re-release those Sega heritage games. Um, Sonic retro basically surmises that, Sega was either using the date that Service Games was forced to stop business in Hawaii due to the ban mm. and have employees travel in 1951. But regardless, that's kind of a stupid year to claim that you were established. Like basically saying, like, oh, when was your business established? Well, we hit some legal issues and we sent some guys on a trip to Japan. And you're like, there's nothing established. About you know, like that's, if anything, that's like the year that we got screwed over by yeah. the u.s government you know <laughs> um i feel like maybe they were like this is the earliest date that includes japan so this is the earliest yeah. date we could use for this heritage logo i'm assuming that maybe i'm assuming the person wanted to make this as old as possible might as well just went all the way back to like 1933 if that was the case right right Brom Bromberg, who doesn't love Bromberg company everybody remembers Bromberg. I, I still play my Bromberg. my great grandpa talks there my great-grandpa talks to me about it all the time. <laughs> Sega was best when Bromberg was in charge. He made the best <laughs> electromechanical games. There was one called Cowboy. And he'd shoot an Indian. Grandpa, you can't say that. What? <laughs> shoot? You can't say shoot anymore? Ah, you snowflakes. Um, so anyway, talk about logos. All right, we're going to do that. So with all that history in our heads, we can now have a better understanding of the Sega logo. So kicking things off, let's take a look at the Service Games logo here. Um, Very simple. Be beautiful. So the Service Games logo, this appeared in 1945 and was mostly on print ads and the sides of slot machines. The primary color, it was black. And it was a basic italic serif font with cursive lettering. And if you're wondering, I mean, it's kind of serif. Maybe I, I'm misspeaking there what's what's that um, mean like for people okay, like so me that don't know are those serifs are those little lines that appear so like um like uh times new roman i i, I guess i could say like has those little lines those mm. little extra little lines on the tops and bottoms this kind of has it but i'd, I'd say it's more of like a cursive lettering what i think is really weird though about the service games logo is that it it should connect like it's like if you just squish the letters together a little bit, 
it would flow like the A would go into the M, go into the E. And typically when I'm doing a project and like working with these types of fonts, I'll squish it together a little so that it will flow a little bit more and look like cursive. Um, this is before they had graphic design. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> well, this was before was they had computers. <laughs> so a lot of this stuff was done by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they would use things like, I guess, like transfer rubbings. So they would have all these different sizes of lettering. Um, it, I, I don't even want to think about it. It gives me a headache. It's an industry I would not be working in if we couldn't use computers because it just sounds like, you know, roll up your sleeves. We're going to make a logo and you got to get out like all these crazy tools and shit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. I think the S, I guess, is kind of interesting looking. But to be quite honest, I think this is a very boring logo it could say just about anything like sam sausages or you know like kind of looks it, like it doesn't scream anything to me it kind of looks like it says set vice games it kind of does yeah the g looks a little goofy too doesn't it, it looks, it looks like, like a pie someone symbol wrote... <laughs> yeah um thankfully you know we we moved past this and we got the red Sega logo that you can see here. The Nintendo logo. Um, yeah, right? So this one's interesting because this one came about in 1954. It was really the first instance of a Sega logo, but of course it's not the Sega logo. Um, you see it in red here, but to be quite honest, it wasn't always red. Um, it has these uppercase letters. Uh it's kind of described as gothic, meaning it has fluidity, angles, um, disp- disproportionate thinness. So if you look at the E and the G, it's it's almost like someone had um, a marker, but like a flat, mm-hmm. like a, a, an elongated marker. So that if you kept it at an angle the whole time, you would get these little kind of like thin parts and thick parts and... There are a lot of designers now who still do like hand-drawn logos and they look really pretty. They actually kind of look like this. I would not be surprised if someone hand-drew this. It it definitely is not a font that I'm aware of. And I think it's... I actually really like this. It's dated though, so I could totally see why they moved past it. Um, what What do you think of this logo? I I guess it makes sense at the time. I like you said. I like the marker th- idea behind it. And you got to understand, this is like before we even had a concept of what Sega was. So like, yeah. this would probably be our first exposure to the company. And I think it's a pretty good shot at a first logo. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I like it. You put it here that's very gothic. So like, if I read your notes without you without your feedback, I'd be like just reading your notes about like, it's very depressing. Obviously, it's gothic. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know that's what gothic meant when you said that. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it flows fine. It almost has a medieval feel. Like if you would see, just like take one of these letters, like the G or the A and put it on a large banner outside a castle, Mm. like it would totally fit. Um, you see it here in red. It wasn't always red. I have put together a, uh, collection of examples here. So you can see if, if for example, the machine used yellow and green, they would use, yellow or green for the logo rather than the red. They would also do a thing where they kind of squish it a little bit. Um, It's not always the same size. Like for the, I show a picture of punching bag here. 
Um, it's squished and has a red outline. Um, I mean, that's that's fine. That works. I think, honestly, it's probably coming down to the way that um, glass, the, the um, glass marquees were made or the plexiglass marquees were made because they probably had a limited amount of ink that they could use. So if you're doing like three colors, black, yellow, and green, you're not going to throw in red because it's probably going to either cost more or, you know, I, I again, I, I've been a graphic designer for 15 years, but I have not been a graphic designer for 75 years. Yeah, so, I, you know, my, <laughs> my knowledge, I have knowledge of the past, but it's, it's limited because I've never been a practitioner of screen printing. Um, I will say things that, like, like that. This logo, like if you see it from far away, you could tell it's a Sega yeah. logo. So that's a good thing. Cause that's like kind of what absolutely your logo wants to be right. When you're in an arcade. Absolutely. And it's, if you compare it to the modern Sega logo, it's a little more square. Like it's almost as tall as it is wide, mm. which is kind of nice because it, it really fills a space. Um, and if you look at the bottom, there is Sega Enterprises LEDs, LTD. So you can see that they had like a secondary font that went with it. But it's it's kind of like, I don't really know what to say. It's It's like a different sort of script. Again, I think that was all hand-drawn. I I don't think this was, like, from some font library that they pulled. So, you know, it, it is interesting. We also have one for punching bag. And I've this seen this one referred to as, like, pe- people were saying, like, on Sonic Retro, or Sega Retro, they were, like, other logo examples. Now, this, I think this only appeared a few times. Honestly, I think it's just another, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call this a different logo so much as just a different treatment of the name Sega where it kind of fits in with the more fun, gamey kind of side of things. So, like, you see here there's a little sticker that says Sega Game of Skill and it's the one we've been discussing. But then on this gauge it says Sega Punching Bag, but the Sega's a little wacky. I think it's just, like, that's all it is. They were just like, we don't want to use this very gothic looking logo when it's like a goofy fun punching game you know what i mean that's Mm. all it is yeah that's all it is you'll and you'll see this some from time to time like in modern sega there will be um like like sega sports i think doesn't use the sega logo no it uses like a block say sega yeah yeah but that's the sega sports logo yeah that's not the sega logo and in this case i'm gonna just say this is like the Sega punching bag logo. It's not. It's not n- a new Sega logo. It's weird. Logos are weird. Um, and then at this next one, oh, oh, oh! Do you see it? Yeah, I see it. the the yellow, the what red, is... and white. But what is this logo? This is the logo we all love today. The Sega is two it? striped. Logo is that what it's officially <laughs> called? Two stripes, right? Or what's it called? <laughs> they call it two stripe Billy. No, <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Um, well, around 1976, Sega adopted its now classic design. However, contrary to pro- uh, popular belief, the logo of 1976 is not the logo we know now. And so, this is where things get really interesting. At least for me as a designer. Um, There's a few things I really want to point out. So there's no clear standard color. It really seems like black is the go-to a lot of the times. But then as you can see here, there's a red one with the white piping. 
There's a yellow one. There's a white one. Um, so they really carried over the the rules that they were applying to the previous Sega logo where it was like, you know, pick the color that works. And I guess that's that works for them. But, you know, moving into the, the 80s, 90s, 2000s, very rarely is there a logo that's like, oh, it's whatever color you want it to be. Like, you never see the McDonald's M now as anything other than yellow yep. and red. You know, yeah. <laughs> they would never be like, oh, you can make a blue if you want. In fact, that's like a big deal because there is... Um, Branding outlines, right? There, Well, there's not only brand outline, but there's like brand rules. Like, you cannot change it or the marketing team is going to come down on you. But there is a rare exception where there is a McDonald's with, I believe, a turquoise M because it exists in a community where all the signage needs to be turquoise or black. (laughs) And so they were like, all right, we'll make a turquoise M. (laughs) So isn't that weird? Yeah, that's weird. Um, Yeah, I, I think they were like, we don't want like Starbucks coming in or McDonald's coming in and messing up our signage. So it's bizarre, but it is what it is. Um, Another thing with this logo, I I think the big difference is the A. If you look at the A, the A is much wider than any of the other letters. Also, the the A is kind of open. So if, and I, I keep describing this, but honestly, I feel like this is an episode you really need to watch because we're looking at a lot of things. But the A, so it swoops up, it swoops down making the triangle and it goes, but it stops short of connecting or overlapping with the, with the other side going down, which is not something we see today. Also the G, this G was actually custom made for the Sega logo as well as the E, which has been changed a little bit. And you're asking, well, what, what was custom made? So Sega's logo actually comes from a, typeface, or I should say a font family called Yagi. And um, we should take a look at the Yagi Double here. No, so no, Yagi no. Double, it sounds like a drink. So th- You'd order you all the Yagi Double. So Sega <laughs> made this font, and then this other company came and copied, is what you're telling me right here, right? Yagi do- Double just like copied Sega, right? Mm-mm. CNN no, copied no, no. Sega? Yagi Double. Was- <laughs> no. Yagi Double existed. Okay. Yagi was a font family. Um <laughs> It was designed actually by, I believe, a Japanese man. I mean, if the name is to believe, be believed, it's Teru, Teruoki Yagi. Okay. And it was released on Robert Trogman's Photostar label. So, yeah, uh, fonts had labels, kind of like artists had labels. Um, and they That's still crazy. do to this day. There's things called font houses. So they will, people will design fonts and either sell them to the font house or I think they'll develop them internally. And then they will be licensed out. Of course, nowadays, like anything goes with fonts, it seems like I've used all sorts of fonts, all, probably illegally. I use but only every font. But legal. I will say only like as my little like weird side projects. Never once when I've worked for a company has it been okay to use whatever font you want. A lot of the times you'll have a collection of fonts that are approved to use. Mm. Um, so... And it, it, it sounds lame, but it's actually the most exciting thing for me when I move, go to a new company and I have new fonts to work with because I actually will get sick of certain fonts. And so to like go somewhere else and be like, oh, 
no more universe, you know, or whatever it is. No more times, new Roman. Do you think these guys um, like that create fonts and make them and they license them out like this font? You think they make a lot of money like from licensing alone? I don't think so. I don't think because typically it's a one time license. So they probably paid the fee to use the font family or they made enough changes to it to make it their own typeface or not their own typeface but their own logo logo which was which was then um you know trademark copyright registered trademark you know whatever um so you know that that's pretty much it in fact if you go to like sega's let me see i'll go to sega.com right now great site if you've ever never been there i I heard um i heard it's good yeah, so, I mean, it's a registered trademark up there right now. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, now, when we're looking at this, then, you can see, like, when you're looking at Yagi Double, and there are other Yagis, <laughs> if you ever want to look at them, um, there are, you can see some Sega things here. So look at the S. That's the Sega S. Look at the E. That's the Sega E. It might be a little bit different, like with the the widths of the E's, but or the little lines. But it is the A is there, so very clearly the um, the A. But where's the Sega G? Do you see it? Uh, no, that's a totally different G, and that's how you exactly don't pay for fonts. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but that's definitely where they made they kind of stamped their uh, unique footprint. Um, and made the Sega logo we know and love. The problem is, I don't know who made that G. Who made the G? I don't know. Someone did. Somebody um, forgot it. Unfortunately, yeah, no one talks about who, if, if it was like an external agency, someone internal. Um, but, you know, it, you can see it right here. The Sega logo exists within the Yagi Double family, and Sega did a little zhuzhing on their own and made the logo we know and love or is it because let's take a look at the next slide here and this will show us well here wait this these are examples of yagi double are we seeing those yeah yeah yeah. i'm looking at it yeah so they, this gives you an idea of how how often it's been used like what i'm seeing Tom jones what i'm seeing is like a very like 70s hippie font right absolutely there is a porno <gasps> That uses it. It <laughs> recently came out on Blu-ray, I think. And and you bought it. God, I can't remember what it's <laughs> called. I almost did because it uses the Sega logo, not only on the poster, but within the movie itself. Not the Sega logo, the Yagi Double yeah. uh, font. And so it's just kind of funny. But And I'll see people do this. They'll be like, oh, I drove past a restaurant that has the, the Afterburner font. And I'm like, well, it's not the Afterburner font. Afterburner burner used... You know what I mean? Like all of these Sega yeah. arcade games, or at least a lot of them, would use an existing typeface or font. Um, you know, so don't get too excited. Um, and I, I'm going to embarrass myself here because I, I believe font font family has typefaces within it. I think that's the distinction. <laughs> This is this is what years of just like doing the drop down and not really paying attention to things does to me. Like I forget very basic graphic design terms. Yeah. Um, but in any case, yeah. So there you go. Um, so moving on to this next one, this is where 
to me, you really see the Sega logo we know and love. And look, I mean, look at, isn't this, so it's beautiful. This is it. it? The outline white, the baby blue. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. And you'll notice here now the A, it is it is the same width of the other letters. So it just, it feels more uniform. Um, there's this really fun little playful thing where the A butts up against the G and touches it and overlaps. And also that little bit there closes in. So now there's a triangle within the A and it's smaller too. I don't know if you're able to jump back. I, uh, I did. It's just a show. Or to that yeah yeah you see that it's it looks more it's subtle but it does so much it's not only that i think the white outline also kind of helps to make it all feel cohesive you know like yeah yeah that a definitely you're right about the a i wonder who thought about it like they were just like moving it just a little bit and they're like here's your money good job (laughs) (laughs) right well, that's the thing, though. I mean, working in, in graphic design, I don't do low. So here, let me just give a very, very brief, like, what I do. So I'm not making logos all the time. More often than not, I'll go to a place and the logo already exists. If I am making a logo, it's like for an initiative or a small group or like an HR thing where they're like, oh, we want people to take care of themselves. So make a health logo. Um, but... I think the most prominent logo I was able to design was for um, Aramark, uh, specifically their um, in-company in marketing team. So Aramark, they do a lot of food service for like uh, sporting events. Um, it's a name you don't really know until you start noticing the trucks or seeing like the little logos when you're at like a, a baseball game. And they had a internal agency that would do marketing for companies like putting the 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 names up on like the hot dog you know like you, you're looking at what hot dog you want to buy and then all of a sudden it'll show you an ad for like verizon oh okay and that's what they were in, responsible for and it was actually one of the first things i did it was a um i was doing a internship at a design agency or a marketing agency and they were like make one and they picked it and i checked as of like 10 years ago they were still using it i think it's changed since then but i just that's like that's the example of me making a logo from scratch and it carrying forward. So how much money um, do you get for royalties for that logo? Nothing. I was not I was working. <laughs> I was not, I was an unpaid intern. <laughs> I know. That's what sucks about the whole they thing. They gave me I I think they gave me a stipend for food which was 100 a week, which is nothing. Fuck. Um so, yeah, that was fun. But but I I do, you know, like I do a lot of layouts, I do a lot of print stuff, web stuff. Um, you know, it, being a graphic designer, though, is not always flashy and it's not always designing beautiful logos. So when when you get to either do something like this or analyze something like this, like I've been able to do for the past week, you start to get excited about things like the A getting a little squishier or, or the triangle being smaller. Um, yeah, so like I mentioned in that little analysis... Uh, they closed the A, the triangle formed. I am just checking my notes here. There's also the white stroke. Um, and it began to appear in that iconic blue. Um, and then the piping's a little thinner too. So the the little line inside's a little thinner. So at this point, 
Every single one of these letters are unique to the Sega logo. They they are based on Yagi Double, but if you download Yagi Double and type this out, it will not look like this. You would have to do a lot of work to change it. Um, and I honestly think the reason why this happened in 1982, 1983 was because the Sega System 1 arcade board was coming out, the SG-1000 was coming out, and there was also a lot of internal shuffling to make the Sega brand prominent. Mm. And a little example of this is... Well, here, first off, let's look at some Sega uh, examples here. So you can see um, right there the SG-1000 has the logo we've been discussing slapped right on it. And I think that might have been kind of what got them to reassess their logo and really decide on something. Cause they're like, look, this is our first uh, consumer video game console. We're putting this logo on here. Let's do a little work and, and finesse and refine it and decide on a color. Um, I always found it interesting though, that despite being a Japanese machine, it does use a darker blue, which has since been associated with the West. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, but they still use it in different colors. There's a red uh, Sega logo that you can see here. And then, of course, the blue we all know and love. Um, but around the same time, too, there was a company called Gremlin Industries Incorporated. And just a brief history on them. They were an American arcade developer and manufacturer that was purchased by Sega in 1978. Um, and with the purchase came several name changes. So they were first called Gremlin Sega, then Sega Gremlin, and then Sega Electronics. And Gremlin also became Sega's largest consumer-facing company, meaning most Americans um, are probably thinking of Gremlin when it comes to Sega's earliest American endeavors. So games like Monaco GP, Zaxxon, Congo Bongo, and Buck Rogers um, are all Gremlin games that Sega just kind of happened to acquire and then develop over time with gremlin overseeing it um i would love to do a gremlin episode of sega talk someday because it's an interesting history there um but as for the logo sega gremlin was unique in that they used an unmodified yagi double and it really wasn't until the name change in 1983 to sega electronics that they switched over to what we see now as the sega logo and interestingly this all took place around the same time as i mentioned that that logo change came about actually i don't think i ever made a gremlins image that's so i apologize but um it's it's basically the yagi logo but or the yagi typeface but typed out sega so it's that other weird g so it's like um like why why do you think like do you think it was just like no one really cared that it got unchecked for so long like you've got your american subsidiary using your logo but it's not your logo it's weird right yeah i i have to agree (laughs) i do wonder like how much of a wild wild west it was like i bet you anything that sega japan's like we're doing this and gremlin's doing their own thing and i and i don't Mm -hmm. feel like they were that connected considering everything and like i don't know what do you think about the Gremlin name? I mean, I understand that, like, the movie by Steven Spielberg was really good, but, like, do you really have to name <laughs> right. your whole company after that? <laughs> I think Gremlin is a strange name for a, uh arcade company because the g- notion of a Gremlin is something that gets into, like, machinery and causes it to break and malfunction. Like, the whole story of Gremlins 
taking apart World War II planes while they were flying, you know, like it's a scary thing. So it's it's kind of weird. Or maybe it's a little tongue in cheek to be like gremlin, you know, like here's your arcade machine. There's a gremlin. He might break it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, It's goofy. But yeah, there are some places where it's just a wild west of uh, a few places. I, a place I worked at at one time, it bothered me because I would walk around and again and again, I would see examples of people misusing the logo or using old logos or branding. And I was like, can we do something about this? And it was just a budgetary thing. Like it was like, nah, like we're not going to print up a new sign. Just keep it up there. But if you let that slip, you see what happens here with Sega where you have companies going unchecked for for years using either wrong colors, wrong logos, um, or or in some cases like using uh, like brand cam like campaigns longer than they should, or pulling like old language, or it's just it it can be very sloppy. And I think Sega's really tightened it down now. But there was a time where even just typing out Sega was all over the place. Like it's, it's capital S lowercase ega but it's like that doesn't really make sense because sega is not a word it's a logo that's all capital letters um it's also two words and i feel like yeah yeah it's it's like two words so either have it be uppercase s lowercase e uppercase g lowercase a or all, i mean sega bits is we know full well people type us up wrong all the time it's really s-e-g-a uppercase b-i-t-s lowercase no space that's it. But people get it wrong all the time. So I'm always kind of fearing when I'm like, oh, we're going to appear in a major publication. And then it's like, the fine folks at the Sega space bits space website. And I'm like, okay. When they get it right, I'm actually Thanks. kind of shocked. <laughs> you know? I know, right? I know. Um, so let's talk about the color blue. Oh. You feeling blue? I'm feeling blue. Always feeling blue. Um, when people think of the Sega logo, they think blue, but which blue? There are two blues. Baby blue. <laughs> it's better. It's just nicer. Baby blue and and daddy blue. So as you can see or hear here, I'm going to read off uh, hexadecimal numbers. And maybe you can see the colors in your head. <laughs> of course. Um, Sega's logo color was never 100% accurate. Sometimes the color would suit the arcade machine. Other times they'd try to stick to blue, but just use like any blue they wanted to use. Um, as a longtime designer, I can tell you this happens a lot when logos go unchecked. Um, I've worked at places with green logos and people would just use any green, but it's not the right green. I honestly think this is what has caused the discrepancy where people think that the Dreamcast logo was orange in Japan, red in America, and blue in Europe. That's wrong. The Dreamcast logo in America and Japan is the same color. How do I know this? I own two consoles. I've compared the physical console, and I've taken screen captures of the American and Japanese startup screens. I dropped it in Photoshop. It's the exact same color. So people are crazy. Don't listen to that. Also, it's, doesn't the color kind of affect yeah. the blue also affect how it's printed and depending on like what kind of printer you use? That's right. So you will have um, images in RGB, RGB or CMYK file formats. You'll have people using the hexadecimal code, which is meant for web use and, and screen use, in print, and then it'll translate poorly. Right now, I actually, uh, at the place I'm working, we have a new blue, 
but the blue is only meant for web. We don't have a blue for print yet. And I most I just recently worked on a piece that was supposed to be digital. And then they told us it's going to be printed. And we're like, all right, good luck, because the, the blue we use does not exist for print yet. Um, and it, it's so confusing. And I feel and I feel for people because I I'll get people angry at me online when I'm like, actually, it's just it's the same color for America and Japan for the Dreamcast. I'm like, no, it's orange or it's red. And I'm like, it's an orangish red. Not every color is like one thing. It's not like we have seven colors in the entire world. And then, you know, and like, then they'll dig like, through like the Google images and right. find this like really low pixelated <laughs> image of some logo from a game that like, right. And then they're like, you're wrong. And it's like, cool, dude. And, and the thing is, and again, just using Dreamcast as an example, there are people who scan in a printed manual and then they put it up online and they point to that. But it's like, well, that's a printed thing scanned into a computer. I mean, right here, I'm holding up a, a, a thing of hand cream Uh oh this this is a weird color it's not green it's not blue it's like a seafoam color now you could see this and then like see it online and be like oh it looks a little more green and then you'd have two people the one who says oh it's like a bluish green seafoam kind of thing and another guy going no that hand cream has always been green bro you don't know what you're talking about and it's like I don't know. Like, I, I guess lesson is get your head out of your butt. I, I and will say. End of the day. Yeah. No, uh, go I was going to say about go the ahead. blues. Like, angry. at least these two blues, <laughs> like, they're pretty close. Like, even if you saw these, like, let's say you're a kid and you played a game and then you played a different game, you probably wouldn't notice the, the difference in the blues. They're, like, pretty close. Right. Close enough that the branding will continue to stick the same. It's a blue Sega logo. At least. Right, right. So these things, these are these are RGB hexadecimal codes. You'll see these like when you are doing like a online web page designer and you have the little color picker and you can like copy paste these little codes. So um, in Japan, it's 008DD0. And then in international markets, including America, it's 0060A8. Hmm. And that's what gets you these two colors. And yeah, absolutely. These colors, they'll be kind of not interchangeable, but you will most definitely boot up a Dreamcast game in America and see a light blue Sega sometimes, either because it's like baked into the game, the game's like startups, startup scream, excuse me, or like it's, I don't know, like a graphic on a, on a billboard and they didn't go ahead and like replace the color. And that's not a problem. It's not a big deal. Um, the thing is, though, it's unknown why they did this. It's it's believed that maybe Sag of America thought a darker blue better suited their market. Or it could have just been like a mistake and they ran with it and eventually were like, we're the dark blue. Um, in Japan, however, it's speculated that they chose this because it's more child friendly. And to me, it makes sense because Japan, I, I feel like, always did a lot more research in the Sega logo, because if you remember, there was that amazing Sega um, startup jingle and imagery. And there's a whole video that accompanies this where it's like, isn't it Nagoshi like oh. looking at pictures on a wall? And he's like, for all for my whole life, I have dreamed of people's eyes and looking at. And you're just like, holy crap, dude, you really over, overthought this. Oh, yeah, he sold it. Um, he did. And so let's it's a three second video. Let's yeah. just check it out. Let me there let me go. put it. Oh sorry, <laughs> I was gonna put it on right now. Sorry, my bad. 
Uh, it's just I'm not, I don't even have it in the window. I'm trying to copy this thing. It's weird. Oh, it, no problem. It's giving me trouble on the Google. But yeah, yeah, I remember when he did um he did that whole like uh, video where he like you know what a lot of us online thought that they were gonna do do some eye tracking technology or something, and uh, <clears throat> they never did. So that was super. No. That was super weird. Like that, they nothing came out of this because they always felt like when they were teasing this that something bigger was gonna happen. But uh, let me play it. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> people that have already seen our uh, our streams, I guess. I mean, or, or seen the mm-hmm. new logo. It's basically a nightball with the Sega logo coming off of it, and it's supposed to like simulate like excitement in the eyes because supposedly when someone's excited the eye changes you know um you could tell people's oh, the emotions eye, yeah yeah dil- dilates um, yeah so they're trying to be artsy so, yeah and so in this case this is not so much a logo as it is an application of the logo so i didn't really touch on that in this because we could go down a rabbit hole and talk for a whole other hour about um sega or about the the 2000s Sega, you know, remember that one? Yes. Um, and so in this case, I think this is just the new Sega. And I like it a lot more. I, I really like that the way they've been applying this is that game trailers will start with a black screen almost, and you'll hear this sound, but you won't see the Sega logo until the end where they show the eye. So they play it twice to bookend things. And it really makes the sound almost be the logo. Like, it's like a sound version of... The logo. The logo presentation. Yeah, exactly. Which is no different from Sega or... um, Or Sega. You know, like, they (laughs) all have their own needs. Like, Sega, when they did the whole Sega saying it, it made a lot of sense considering that nobody's ever heard of this word before. At the time, and right. now that they've become so right. iconic or iconic enough in video games that they could just do it with the jingle, like you said. Absolutely, yeah. And so, um, looking back at the logo here, I did mention there's a white outline. Um, this really just appears when the logo is on a colored background. It doesn't always have to be there. And in fact, I think it might always be there, but you don't see it because it's on a white background, or at least... I think a lot of the times when they're giving the logo out to people for use or it's being used internally for pieces or whatever, I, I think they're just like, well, we have a version without the white outline, but you can't see the white outline when it's on white. So what's the, you know, like, what's yeah. the point? Um, it's, it's not always there, but there it's, it's strange. Cause to me, I don't think about it until I, talk about it and then i'm like oh yeah that's true the white outline isn't always there but it it always felt like it should be there (laughs) it's strange um also i found this this is what i thought was really at least for me as a designer i thought this was really interesting the sizes so there is an alternate version or two alternate versions of the logo here um this what i believe was used in in sega europe Ugh. So, Europeans, what are you guys doing? Why are you guys changing it's it? It's strange. So the one on the left has a thicker like piping, mm-hmm. and then the one on the right has smaller piping. But I also noticed that the A, the little triangle in the A, is larger yeah. than usual. 
And I think this logo is meant for very small usage because if you look at the next slide here, you can see they're very tiny, but clearly the one on the left reads a lot better at a smaller size because the the piping is a little thicker. Oh, yeah. So it's interesting. I don't think it's necessary. I have not seen this happen typically with logos where they're like, this is our tiny version. Yeah. But... I don't I don't know if they do this anymore, but I just thought this was a weird little little thing that I guess was in the European style guide. Like um and to be honest, like when you're dealing with logos, like if you start putting rules like this in place, it's great and all. It's a cool little way to solve the problem of the logo being really tiny, but you're not gonna get people to come on board and be like, Oh, okay, so I need to measure seven millimeters. And if it's less than seven, I need to dig out this other logo. Like, I don't know. It seems like a lot of extra work. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, um, <laughs> I always thought the Sega uh-huh. logo was probably one of the better logos for being so far, like a far away logo, you know? Compared to Nintendo, mm-hmm. where like, it's so long, and then when you shrink it, it gets yeah. even tinier. It's ridiculous, but yeah. Nintendo should change their name to like Nindo, <laughs> N-I-N-D-O. <laughs> or yeah, the fans will go crazy. They they can't ever change it. So this wraps up our history lesson on Sega logos. We're not done yet. There's a few things I want to cover after this, but here is the test. Are you ready to take a test? All right. All right. So let's throw this up here. So these are four logos. One of these is the official Sega logo. The other ones are not. <sighs> So let's let's go through here. So the upper left hand corner is that a the official Sega logo, George? No, look at the A. It doesn't connect. No. That's right. Uh, the one in the upper right. That definitely not the <laughs> Sega logo. That's like you made this line. You just <laughs> no. This these are from. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, but that's not the official. Okay, okay. Lower left hand corner. This is a tricky one. This is a tricky one. Mm. No, I think mm, actually. Hmm. I'm looking at him closely. I think the one on the last one is the the actual logo, the one on the bottom the lower right. right. Yeah. All right. Let's see if you're right. Let's go to the next slide here. All right. You're right. So the reason is so, like you mentioned, that's a great eye. So the upper left hand corner, the the triangle is too big in the A, but it does connect. But the A doesn't connect to the G. Mm. And this was from someone on DeviantArt who I believe remade the Sega logo. It's I don't know how much work they did because they could have very easily just like downloaded a Sega font and typed it out, which I think is what they did. Because if you're going to do something like that, you need to, again, zhuzh it up, zhuzh it up a little bit and like move that G and the A together. Um, the upper right hand corner is just, yeah, mm. that's someone on DeviantArt trying and just spectacularly failing um lower left is interesting because if you look where that little bit where the the triangle connects on the a there's like a weird little white space where the two blues intersect do you see yeah it's very slight i see that a lot online and i think it is a byproduct of the way the logo is drawn and then converted. I think it's not allowing the two blues to overlap. It almost finds like a negative space and shows a white. 
I don't know what causes that, but I don't think it's from either. It's from an official Sega logo, but it's something that goofs up in the process, or it might be something that someone custom made. And then it's just been, people would like lift it and do an article on like Gizmodo about the history of Sega and they'd be using this logo. They think is official, but isn't, Mm. I don't know. But good for you. You won. You get uh, you get to take a Sega logo. Home. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Woo. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last bits. I just had some some interesting little things I want to talk about. So uh, this one, Mr. Robot. So Mr. Robot's a show I know you really enjoy. I need to start watching it. It's a pretty effed up show, um, but it's good. Is it over now? Yeah, it's over. It's only like three seasons, okay, good. maybe. I want to say. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll, I'll watch it after I finish Sopranos for the third time. Oh, yeah. Um, so back in 2015, I noticed the Mr. Robot logo all over the place. They were advertising it um, downtown where I was working. And I was like, this is weird. This is the Sega logo. This isn't Yagi Double. This is the Sega logo. <laughs> and so I, when I got home, I dug into it. Um, no plot twist. So here's the original tweet. It does have and to do with Sega. And I've got three images. The show. Well, oh, it does. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> okay. No. Um, so you can see here this first image. This is Sega Replica Font 2.5. Fines. So there is this dude. I think they might be. He might be Japanese. I think he, he definitely is. Who made all of these Sega logo fonts? Not just Sega, but like every single console, tons of games, even like the Pico. Um, international version, so like the Saturn. And what they did was they took the logo and then expanded it and blew it out into its whole typeface. So they would make letters based on all the letters that were in these iconic logos. And these fonts have been used again and again and again by like fan sites like us, people online. These fonts must be over 20 years oh, old now. Yeah. Um, but if you... I mean, it's just second nature for me now to type in N-I to auto-populate the whole Nisei or Nice, whatever it is, uh, family of fonts. I love these. But it says very clearly here, please don't use this font for business and don't carry out secondary distribution. Now, it's questionable how much legal sway... Like, you know... if a major corporation is going to use one of these, like, is this guy from over 20 years ago going to come out of the woodwork and sue them? Maybe. I mean, if I was the USA Network, I wouldn't risk it because this is, you see things like this all the time. Like, um, what happened recently? Stranger Things at Target had Blu-rays released in VHS boxes. Uh Uh-oh. And Netflix just straight up searched VHS tape on Google and Images they used it? found the largest image and used oh my it. god and it's a photo that it's a photo that a guy <laughs> not only took but licensed so they got hit with a potential lawsuit and had to pay this guy out under the table for the right to use his photo oh man so just imagine Mr. Robot's doing their thing and then this dude comes out and he's like hey you're using my logo and the reason I figured that out was that obviously you look at this it's not the um yagi double no it is very clearly using the um the nisei which uses the sega logo as the basis for a sega logo font that is not anymore the yagi double they did make the and the, the only th- the spacing mm-hmm. different right yeah the well the only thing they did for mr robot is they 
change the B to connect the piping so that the the B lines were enclosed, which kind of breaks the rule of how the Sega logo is drawn. But I understand why they did it because the B looks like a three. Mm. You know what I mean? Otherwise. But it's just like, I honestly, I don't think this is enough changing it to make it your own. And I think they could open themselves up to a lawsuit. It never happened, so whatever. But it's just a little word of warning. Like, you know, you're working at some major studio. And, oh, Mr. Robot, I'm going to use the Sega logo. I'm going to download the font. Like, think twice. <laughs> Run it by your creative director because you might get into legal legal troubles real fast. I saw more people uh, comparing this to the CNN logo, even though it really isn't, you know? Right, yeah, CNN. Because, like, so, yeah, the show yeah. has to do with mainstream media in parts of it, so th- that's why people were comparing it. It's weird, because, yeah, the CNN logo, if you compare it to the Yagi Double, it is, it, yeah, it definitely is, but it isn't, because, well, there are connecting ends, there's two alternate ends, so, yeah, I guess... I guess you'd be right, but the ends are almost overlapping. It doesn't. It's not two ends. It's like one and a half ends. Yeah. It um, kind of like a I don't know, like an M set of ends. I don't know. Hey, you know, um, a little uh, fun fact: CNN headquarters, which is in Georgia, they are in the former location of the Sid and Marty Croft HR Puff and Stuff theme park, and. The only surviving remnant is the world's largest freestanding escalator, which takes you up into this globe. That's the CNN headquarters. Isn't that goofy? That is pretty goofy. Anyway, that's the only fun. That's the only fun fact I have in my head, and I always share it when I can. So, um, yeah. So I guess now it's time for a competition. So, oh God, being such an iconic logo, unchanged for decades. Of course, fans. And budding graphic designers have tried to redesign or perfect the Sega logo. And so I thought we should review a handful in sort of a great British bake-off judging panel. And then we pick a, pick a winner. You can't, you um, can't perfect any... perfect. Don't spoil it, George. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first up, we have one by Richard Pierce oh. of R&R Design. Uh, hired. Uh, so he says, my take on the Sega logo and an update to the brand logo lettering. Um, this looks like the, thoughts. This looks like the old Sears logo. It kind of does look like the Sears logo. To me, it looks like he took a pre-existing font with the E and S, the E, and the G, drew the piping in, and then made his own custom A because there is... Like, the A is not perfect. It goes up to the point and then kind of tips in a little bit. Um, not a fan. I'm sorry, Richard. No, I'm sorry. Gonna have you're gonna go. You're. I hope you you look forward to seeing your wife and children because you're going home to them now. Goodbye. Hang your apron up, sir. Uh, this next one. This is a weird one. So French design firm Syn decided to swing at sprucing the company's image up. Um, the thinking behind the United stems from the fact that Sega, like so many Japanese publishers, does a lot more than just publishing games for home consoles and handhelds. Now, this logo is interesting because it was from a larger 
article, I don't, I think it might have been Kotaku, like Australia or something, but they've since taken the article down and all the images are missing. <laughs> and the only way the images show up is Google image search. But this, this SYN design firm, they went all out. There's not just this logo, but there's the whole process to how they got there. It's crazy. Right. Um, what do you think? Um, you know what? This is better than the last one. Uh, I like the idea right. what they're coming up with. This kind of reminds me of like an anniversary logo or something like that, you know, that Sega would do where they would be like, this is all our uh, companies together, you know, our amusement machines, uh, you, you right. know, and our video game companies. But, I mean, would right. you want this to be the official logo? It's too, like, <clears throat> if you shrink this down on a video game packaging, it would be a, a mess. And like the absolutely, and the white is too thick. It's just like thick Sega white font. Like you want to see the actual Sega font right there uh, over United, and and it should be more of a kind of like a Sega Heritage or something like that type of logo for an anniversary than anything. Right. Yeah. Right. This this feels like a like you said a treatment for like a special event. Or, or something internal maybe going on, like, oh, we're celebrating all our teams. My problem with it is is that there's, well, there's a lot of things going on. It's like within a circle, and then there's these four shapes on top, which really don't tell me anything except for looking pretty. Yeah. And then the Sega logo itself is the logo we know and love, but they removed the piping and made it smaller. And then they added this United, which either makes me think of a soccer team or an airline. And then on top of this, I, I get where they're coming from, but I've seen this happen time and time again where someone will like pitch an idea to a company and then not do their research on the company. So if I were SYN walking into the doors of Sega, they didn't do this, but imagine they did. And they're like, look, we, we want to present to you a redesign of your logo. At the end of the meeting, I would tell them as Sega, you do realize that we're Sega Sammy as the parent company and you're treating Sega the game maker and publisher as the parent company because they're saying oh sega's more than just home consoles and handhelds and that's true that's sega sammy yeah you know what i mean so it's almost like they and this happens all the time we get people going oh you know i think microsoft's gonna buy sega and i'm like really you think that you think they're gonna buy sega sammy they're gonna buy a resort business they're gonna buy an arcade you know like it's like why not i don't blame people for not doing their research but like I, they came at this all wrong and also it, it changes the name of the company pretty much like what are they called now sega united i guess so and not only that like the font with the you know sometimes when i do photoshop it's like they took the sega font yeah. you know that you would type up but then you did the yeah. the font white because you got too lazy to change the color. And then when you did the outline <laughs> white, it just be- became that. And they just oh, went, yeah. all right, that's <laughs> good enough. like that. That's funny. But yeah. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Um, yeah. And then so here we've got that going on. And then the next one we have is from Edwin Martinez. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I feel like all everyone is like very influenced, obviously, by the double you know, Sega original logo and they just want to like make it worse. Like that's like their, their mm-hmm. job. The G looks like the capsule corpse or something from Dragon Ball Z. Um, I see. That. Um, but yeah, I don't really like this. I don't like how circle it is. And then it's randomly square. Then it's like the S it's like different shapes. I guess that's what they're trying to go for. Right. Instead of being one United shape, like Sega, you know, with the, the swirling, I guess 
Because, like, the S and the mm. G and the E, they're totally different shapes and feels. It's... I I mean, I, I don't want to show my hand, but I will say of the three we've seen so far, this is the strongest one. Just because it retains at least the Sega S, which I think is very iconic. Definitely. The E is is different. It's squared off. The G is completely different. I'm not a big fan of the G. It looks like a copyright logo, if anything. Mm, yeah. And then the A is unnecessarily different again. So it's like the first two letters, they have me and then they lose me with the G and the A. And it's almost like it's so close to the original that it's unnecessary. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the, the original is um, better. Moving on. To, yeah, well, so far, yeah. And then moving on to this fourth one, um, we have... Uh, this one, uh, wait, oh, the other one was from WB Black Official. This one is from Edwin Martinez. I'm sorry. These two look and, a uh, lot alike with the G. Yeah, it's it's similar to the previous one. I don't like the E. I'll just come out and say it that. It looks like they were trying to go for like an arrow be- in between the E, G, A. So you could, like it has that yeah. space. Um, the A looks like a character from uh, that one Among Us game. <laughs> um but yeah outside of that i mean again like you said it's just copying the original sega logo so i don't know it's kind of weird it's like it, nobody could come up with something totally original because it's so iconic you know what i mean and you're you see this right. and, and you're like i'd rather have the original yeah. logo yeah Right. And I mean, if I were to take a a stab at this, I would throw everything out the window. I wouldn't do the blue. I wouldn't do the piping. I wouldn't even try to emulate the existing logo. I'd try something completely different. If anything, I would not even show Sega and I would try to make a icon or, or a shape that would be Sega. Because I think then you're moving into more of a, um, a, uh, what, what am I trying to say? Like, I don't know, you're you're at least thinking outside the box and trying something new. And they kind of do that with the Sega United, but I think those four little blocks are kind of cheap. I threw this out to Twitter and no one liked it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No one liked any four of them. They got really mad. Um, They said the logo doesn't need a redesign. It's iconic. I see no reason to redesign it. Um, Interestingly, someone pointed out that Sony tried to do this. Uh, four decades ago, but their original is just too special to replace. Isn't the Sony one just like um, a font? Like the most, uh, it's like a very like Sony logo. Let me see. I'm pretty sure it's just the font, right? Mm. Yeah, the Sony font. Like I don't know. Like, do you think that's really You're, that special? I mean, n- I think it's iconic. Yeah, now. now, but I'm saying like, I don't know. It just feels very, very like plain in a good way. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying like. I don't know. To never be able to change it ever, ever, that's kind of <laughs> weird. But maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe I'm not a Sony fan. Right. But no. But I mean, in the case of these, no one seems to like any of them. They say, what's the point? And I agree. I think we've reached a point now where Sega has been using the logo that it has for so long. And as evidence, they've been perfecting it since ne- like the 1970s. So... If anything, leave the redesigning to like your characters or your franchises. Like that's where you can really make your mark. I don't think there's any need to change Sega because it has so many great things associated with it. And going back to people complaining about, oh, I, I wish they'd make still make consoles. 
I think there's people out there who sees the latest Yakuza game and to just see that memorable, iconic Sega logo that's no different from the one on your Dreamcast does something. I think that's like a special thing to them to be like, well, it's not a Sega console, but there's the Sega logo I know and love. If they change it, I think it would definitely draw a line and say there was the Sega of old and then here's the <laughs> Sega of new. Yeah. And I don't think people would like that. I think they'd, they'd hate it. Um, so I'm going to say no winners, unfortunately. I'm sorry you're all going to go home. But I will give a minor thumbs up to WB Black Official for at least understanding that the S works really well. So I'm glad they kept that. I mean, um, I will say one thing about the Sega logo. Like, now the trend for companies mm-hmm. has been to, like, make it flatter, to make it more simple. And I'm like, I can you really make the Sega logo more simple, more flat? Like, it's already is what it is. Like, they've done it already. It's never been complicated. Right. So, yeah. Why? Well, we do we do here have um, some <gasps> official alternatives that actually do exist. Uh, so this is called Sega Around the World. We have New Zealand. This was used for the Master System in New Zealand in 1983. Disgusting. It almost rem- <laughs> it reminds me of some of those ones we looked at. It's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, Chinese in the late 80s. It looks a lot like Hong Kong. It kind of looks a lot like the our logo, just in their font. But like I don't know. I'm not Chinese. I don't know Chinese. I wonder what it, they would say it says. Sugar. I don't know. Um, and then Arabic. Which you got com- You got You've actually got comments one. about this one when you posted it. Yeah, yeah. It's like Sija. Sija, yeah. I think. And there were a lot of people going back and forth. Saying, oh, it's wrong. And it's like, no, phonetically, the G doesn't translate over. So you're using the right one. Yada, yada. Um, Yuzo Kushiro even was- messaged us back about this one. He said it looked like a yeah. uh, what Pac-Man game. Yeah, it looked like a like maze game yeah. that he showed a screenshot from. So I, I really like that Yuzo Kashiro bit. Um, and then a big announcement: we actually are opening, forming a new uh, a new team of writers in um, Arabic speaking regions. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Segabits Arabia. So I have the logo here. Oh, it looks actually um, really nice in in that language. Is this? <laughs> I was told. Yeah. Well. So I, I threw this up there initially on Twitter, but I think I did it in the wrong direction because they read from right uh, to left. So I flipped it. So I think this says Sija, Sija, Sija bit. Okay. I like the little <laughs> dots, like with the little uh, thing. It looks nice. I like it. Yeah. So good, good, good. Uh, I'm looking forward to what our writing team um <laughs> has to uh talk about i don't know like the history the history of arabian countries and the sega consoles (laughs) maybe i don't know um (laughs) we we even reached out to our our patreon pals i want to talk about them before we close things out um they shared their thoughts on if the sega logo should be redesigned daniel andres said only if it was slightly altered, then maybe other than that. No, of course not. There's no reason for them to. Hams said, no, most certainly not. The logo is iconic as is. I think many companies would love to have such a well-designed and recognized logo. Alex Hugh says, nah, it's fine the way it is. <laughs> I agree. 
Ben Hayward says, I wonder what they could even possibly change it to. The big blue blocky letters have always been a bit of a retro feel for me. And since I've pretty much lost with any game that's beyond 8-bit, 16 is scratched. The logo style has always felt just right. Tyler Olu says, there's something special about that logo. And no matter if something came first, I recognize it as the Sega font. Yeah, see? Um, and then finally, Nicholas Schaefer says it's iconic and should not be changed. So we've got a lot of no Sega boys and girls who are just, like, putting their foot down. I, they will fight to the death. They're they're right about it, though. Like, what can you change it to? What, uh, what could replace the Sega logo? Not that much things, but, like... How about just the font that says Sega in, like, uh, Arial? It's like, oh, that's just real quick. Or gothic font block text. Well, I like I like the one. What was it? Um, the EA logo. Remember oh, that? Yeah. I put that up. It was, like, S-E-G-A. And they're like, this is cursed. You can't make this Sega logo out of the EA logo. So when Sega was in the console industry, it made sense for them to mm-hmm. keep it blue because Nintendo was red, I guess. And, you know, they kind of mm-hmm. adopted the opposite. Would you be against Sega, like, making custom logos for their, like, opening on games like they used to? Like, maybe the Yakuza has leopard print as a Sega thing? Or would that be too much? I would love that. In fact, I really liked the, and I wish they kept it up longer, the Sega Pride logo. The rainbow one. Mm. I think that looks sick. And it's not even, I mean, I don't mean to say, like, oh, and it's not even gay pride. It just looks cool. But... The, it, it it's one of the few times where a company changed their logo to rainbow colors and it did not scream like, oh, you can only use this for one month. Like when I saw that, I was like, keep this up all year. It looks cool. Oh, yeah. It's different, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think I really wish they would send me one of those shirts. I guess I have to be like in the LGBTQ community to get one. They don't sell it or anything? <laughs> like you think they would no, sell they were, it? They were giving it. They were giving it away to people, but I think only to people who, like, I guess were gay <laughs> or, or lesbian they should have, or transgender. They should have sold it, and then all pro- profits would have proceeded like a LBG, you know, I mean, you know what I mean, TQ plus, or, you know, whatever, like a charity for them or whatever. Right. I, don't, I don't know what charity, but, like, that would have been. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Um. So, finally, to end things. I wanted to touch on the way that Sega had, like you mentioned, the startup screen treatments. There's so many to count. And honestly, like it's not a logo. It's, it is showing the logo, but it's, it's, it's more than that. And so there's so much that we could cover, um, but I'll cut it short with just us sharing our favorites. So George, what is your favorite Ooh, I picked, Sega logo? I picked the Comic Zone one because it was the first time I, it was like super obviously like you can notice that they changed it right and then they had that mm-hmm. cool like effect that uh sega institute yeah, did for for this uh logo where it like flipped kind of like the uh gunstar hero start screen and then they had yeah. that iconic like singing you know it's sega and uh <laughs> it's really sick and i really like the whole hand coming out and saying it presents very unique mm-hmm. logo i wish they did more of these kind of logos you know, in the present time, I know that Yakuza used to have their own too. Um, you want me to put yours? I know yours is Jurassic Park. Why Jurassic Park? Yeah, I just thought this was a really funny one. And this, like, like you said, it's the one where it really stands out, and you're like, 
you're like, oh, they're doing something different here. I, I think it's it's not so much the logo treatment, but to combine it with like the T-Rex popping up and saying Sega, I just think it's hilarious. And I wish they did more of this. Like, I think it would have been cool to start up every game and have a different character come in and say Sega. Oh, yeah. Because, but then, you know, I don't know. Like, technically, some studios probably don't even, don't even know how to make, like, characters talk. Oh, yeah. But, Sega. <laughs> so, so, that's me. That's the end of our episode today, right? That's it. That's it, yeah. So you have gone to school unknowingly. You have just taken an hour and a half course in visual communications. Uh, you have passed. You are now a graphic designer. Go forth. Thank you, thank you guys for watching. This is our episode for the Sega logo for Sega Talk. We'll catch you guys next time on Sega Talk. Bye. Bye.